Welcome back, everybody. As you may or may not know, but have probably figured out, part of the process is no longer. We have rebranded to Lemon Soul, and this is the Lemon Soul podcast. I will get into why we changed the name at a later date. I have much more important things to talk to you about, and mostly that we have Sarah Santa Rosa on the podcast today. She is full of life, full of love, full of knowledge. I grew up with Sarah since I was very little um, in River Canard, and today's conversation is one that I related to very heavily, as I feel a lot of you will as well. Sarah is doing her PhD in kinesiology at the University of Windsor, and her list of things that she does and does in research and in volunteering and with the community is endless, so I'm going to let her tell you because it sounds way smarter coming from her mouth than mine. All right, let's do it. Please listen carefully. Talk? We're good? Hello. Oh, there we go. Okay, okay. so I can't see her. <laughs> it's like, we're good? Mm, okay. Yeah, we're good. Okay, hey. Hi. Welcome. So excited so to excited. be here. Yay. Guys, Sarah has lived down the street from me since I was like super young. So she, I have the blessing of calling her like my big sister. So this is like super cool for us to be sitting here. And I haven't done a podcast in a while. So it's even cooler that we get to sit down and chat today. Um, Sarah, you do a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> you always have a lot on your plate and you always have. So I want to talk obviously about the process of how you've managed to do so many things for so long. Um, but I just want to give people kind of an idea of like what you do, what your main focus is. I know you're um, finishing up school and doing big things. So give me kind of just a rundown of like what you're involved in. Sure. So I am in my fourth year of my PhD, which has been a very long journey, uh, which is coming to a a close, which is really exciting. Uh, So with that, I do research at the university my own. I work on other projects as well, collaborate with people in different faculties. I have some international collaborations, which is really cool. And then I also get to teach, which definitely is a huge passion of mine and kind of solidified that I had chosen the right career path because I love my research and I love teaching. Um, So I guess to backtrack, my research focuses on body image, self-esteem, eating behaviors, eating disorders, and physical activity uh, with an emphasis on how social media can kind of influence all of those things. Um, On top of doing my PhD, I I'm really passionate about being involved in the community. So I've sat on a couple of boards, but as we'll kind of talk about, I've I've learned to let go of some things and be okay with that and really put my energy where I feel that it's needed most. Mm-hmm. So um, I am on the board for Leadership Advancement for Women in Sport, doing things with them, um, creating a membership basis, running events, uh, mentorship programs for young girls, and that's been a, a really rewarding uh, process. How long have you been doing that? Laws yeah. uh, has been fun because, oh, it's funny. I When I was in grade 10, uh, Deb McMahon, <laughs> shout, shout out, out. Deb, <laughs> <laughs> took me to Girls in Motion, and it oh, was at yeah. the University of Windsor. Okay. And I fell in love with the HK building um, 
and I'm like, I'm going to, I'll be here one day or whatever. And now I've been there for 12 years. Um, <laughs> Has it been 12 years? It's been 12 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So through that, I, when I entered university, I found opportunities to volunteer with them. Um, I planned some events for them and just stayed involved uh, during that time. And then they asked me to join the board and create this um, membership. So, so you wait, but so that was Girls in Motion. Yeah, grade turned 10 into? turned into this okay. when I entered university. Gotcha, so gotcha. finish high school, um, go into HK, find like laws is, you know, connected to HK, yep. whatever. And I, I stay and do that. And then, yeah, we create this membership base, which has been really, really cool because we've connected community partners with people in the community who are interested in gender equality and sports and and leadership. And then it's like kind of like this symbiotic relationship where they're both getting something out of the process. Right. Yeah. Yeah, So it's a good thing. Yeah. Cool. So your PhD is in kinesiology? Kinesiology. Yeah. And then the barrel down of body image, self-esteem. That's like, do you have to write I know this is going to be dumb because I don't know because I've never done a PhD. Do you have to do like a big research paper or is it like a series of things? Yeah, great question. Totally not dumb because when I entered university, I didn't even know professors were PhDs. I had no idea what that was. Um, So the PhD process is, uh, you know, you have your coursework. You do these comprehensive exams, which were just a very trying time in my life (laughs) where you are just locked away studying a hundred articles and you have to learn everything and then you have eight hour written exam eight hour oral exam and you write a paper really really trying time um in (laughs) in my academic career (laughs) and I'm still here so that's good um But then on top of that, our program specifically is community-focused, so I had to do an internship, and I went to uh, upstate New York, and I did an internship there with athletes who have visual impairments. The most amazing experience, they can't see, and they're doing gymnastics, and it was... It was amazing, it, like one of uh, like life changing kind of kind of experiences. Yeah, and I met just like a really wonderful group of adapted physical education researchers, which really isn't my area, but I wanted to learn more about stats and helping people is important to me. So right. I'm like, it fits. And as part of that research, I got to go to various um, camp. There's called camp abilities. So it's deaf, blind, blind, varying levels of visual impairments. And they're all athletes. And it was, it's amazing. It's so amazing to see if you try anything, that's one of their models, yeah. what they can accomplish, like horseback riding, gymnastics, paddle boarding, it, and just the inclusivity that happens. Yeah, it was yeah. a really, really great experience. And I met a lot of people who I never would have been able to connect with right, right. Um, through that experience. And we did some research and wrote some papers. And okay. It's been good. So do they have – I don't know if techniques is kind of the right word. Do they have – so like horseback riding, for example. You're, yeah. If you're blind in horseback riding, yeah. do they have – like, are they just going and teaching them to do it without any assistance? Or is there kind of like... There's still aids involved. Okay. So okay. the best example is probably something that we all 
who can see take for granted is running so running on a track so if you think you you can't see how are you going to know where to turn where the track goes so they'll run with a tether so that means they'll be a partner and they're kind of holding this string between the two people and the one person's helping guide them um or there's a guide wire where they'll hold the wire as they run around so it's just it's unbelievable what the human body can yeah. do. So I it just, gives you a lot of perspective, right? On like absolutely first world problems, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So that was a great experience. That's amazing. So that's part of the PhD process is like this community internship, and then we also have to do um, three studies. Uh, it's called dis- dissertation research. Okay. So um, my dissertation focus is on mother-daughter pairs. Yeah. And we know in the offline world that the way a mother talks about her body or about food or about physical activity influences the daughter. So great example, and this is a true story. There was a little girl, she's in JK. She was throwing out her bread at lunch. So in JK. In JK. So BANA, which is the Bulimia Anorexia Nervosa Association, um, who I partner with to do a lot of my research, their, their health promotion team saw that this was happening and, you know, they stopped a little girl and said, what are you doing? Why are you throwing your bread out? Like, is your sandwich not taste good? Um, and she said, oh, no, uh, we don't eat carbs. Carbs are bad. In JK. In JK. So this is like my five years old, sunk. right? So then the health promotion team follows up with the mom and mm-hmm. says, uh, you know, daughter's throwing bread out and this is why. Uh, and the mom was in shock. She was horrified because she had been on the phone talking to a friend about how she was doing this, you know, no carbs, right. cutting carbs, mm-hmm. whatever. And you don't think that mm-hmm. your five-year-old's going to pick it up, nope. but 100% did um so that's just like a good teaching teaching yeah. moment right so that happens all the time with with body talk or um especially with with food so what we want to look at there's no research currently in how what a mom does online or says to you online so okay. if your mom's commenting on your photos right if your mom's saying oh you're so skinny you're so beautiful right. how does that impact mm-hmm. your your mental health your psychosocial um what are the impacts there so that's yeah. kind of where the research uh, has has started and we're in our second phase where we're continuing to look at the mother-daughter pairs, but the final phase will be actually creating a usable workshop and toolkit for those moms to help them with, okay, what do I do right. if this is happening? Who yeah. can I contact? How do I help my daughter make these these good decisions and create that like yeah. healthy, positive bond around body health yeah. awareness type stuff? Well, and it's got to be relatively n- new research because social media has only been around for so long. Absolutely. So that's like a totally new field of study, I imagine. It is. It And it changes so rapidly. Right. Trends are always changing. changing. What apps yeah. are cool. Like you think yeah. you're with it. Yeah. So, you know, I'll give presentations to students and I brought something up about Vine and they're like, uh, miss, Vine doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. Vine's gone. <laughs> Vine's not, not real. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Or um, there's this app called Whisper where it was like oh. an anonymous Twitter kind right. of thing. Right. And it got banned in post-secondary school. We had a problem even at the University of Windsor where, you know, I'm up doing a presentation and then I'll sit back down and I can read all these really awful things that people are saying about me. What? But what's changed, because I told that story to a group of grade fives. Right. And they're like, actually, miss – 
what it is now is there's this app called Sahara where kids are actually wanting this anonymous feedback. So say your parents have put restrictions, you need to have a private account, Instagram account. Right. doesn't matter. You link it to the Sahara app. You send it out there and people give you feedback on your, you know, your looks, your appearance, your photos, whatever what? it may I've be. I've never even heard of this. Yeah, it's scary. It's a scary world. There's so many things going on. Um, like side note to the, my main research yeah. is we're looking at uh, non-suicidal self-injury um, or self-harm. self-harm. Okay. And we're looking at the, the clouts or the groups of people online that aren't supporting recovery but are supporting the behavior. Okay. Which when I tell parents that this, like, this is really common online, I just combed through 10,000 self-harm images with only one having a graphic content warning. Right. Um, and according to Instagram's policy, none of them should be on there. Right. Um, it's it's scary because it's instructional videos on how to do things. And what? when you're when you're 12 or 10 yeah. or, you know, we, we're seeing like seven-year-olds on Instagram yeah. and you f- come across something like this, yeah. um, it could be really harmful. So parents need to become aware, Super of, aware of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So that's – those are like some research things we have on well, the Well, and this is my thought is like – because I've always said like, oh, like as we get older, we kind of grew up with – the beginning of technology, you know, and we're kind of seeing, for the lack of a better word, the repercussions of what's happening. However, by the time we have kids, we kind of have a better idea of like, you know what, we're going to go back outside, we're going to kind of simplify again. But then I also question myself, but by the time that's going to happen, there's going to be six other types of social media that I have no idea what they're about. Like that, I didn't know what this Sahara thing was. So that I'm like, oh yeah, it'll be fine. By the time we have kids, we're going to have kind of a better idea of like what's going on but I'm like no we're just going to be It'll, out be of touch. Something new. Yeah. So it's it's kind of taking a stance on social media is both negative and positive because there's pros and cons and good and bad that comes with everything but with social media as well because Yes, there's these groups where they're promoting these negative health behaviors, but there's also groups where people who have always felt alone and felt like they had no voice and nobody they could connect with now have a group of people who can support them. So, you know, we have to think about it, but as a parent or as somebody who is a positive influencer, especially in in youth when people are still developing, figuring out who they are, it's really important to clue into what's going on or ask questions be mindful of things um get involved and think about what you are promoting on your Mm -hmm. own social media that's Mm -hmm. what we're finding with the moms there was a i did some focus groups and these 14 year old girls were telling me how important it is to filter and edit your photos like you can't have a pimple in your picture and then what happens is they'll go to school and everybody's like, yeah. okay, you don't really look like right. that. So there's like this level of you only filter so much. Um, right. And oh, we started talking about, well, what if moms were doing this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like, well, moms can't do that. Like they're role models. So there is this understanding that like moms are setting this precedence. Right. Um, do moms see it like that? So it's funny from the mom's point of view is 
they, a lot of the moms that I've spoken to are like, well, we don't know how to do that. But we have this one friend who does, you know, is posting all these photos of her, like, heavily filtered, heavily edited. Yeah. Um, and then they feel like that's not sending a, a message, message, right? Because right. you want to be authentic. You want to show your show who you really are mm-hmm. or who you want to portray um, right. to, your, to your kids, right? Yeah. Um, but there was there's a huge disconnect between the mothers and daughters because moms will say, yeah, I had one mom where she said, you know, my daughter went on a diet because she's in grade eight, this, this girl. My daughter went on a diet because, you know, she wants to look more attractive. So mm. when I heard that, I was like, oh, And okay. she was, like, supportive of this? And she was supportive of that. Okay. But when – so the moms and daughters were in separate rooms. When we talked to the daughters, it was obviously this person's daughter was saying, you know, my friend is on a diet, mm. and we're really worried about her because she's not she's not eating. So then when I listened back to everything, I'm like, right. well, is she talking about herself? Yeah. Uh, it's scary. So there's this disconnect between, you know, what's being encouraged and what's actually healthy. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, like, now online as you're navigating through all of these fitness accounts or modeling accounts or whatever, and you're going to have so much more knowledge than me, but you see, like, fit. It's not – it used to be, like, you got to be skinny, you got to be skinny, you got to be skinny. And now it's got to be fit, got to be fit, got to be yeah. fit. Skinny's not good enough anymore. It, it, that's what I mean. It's it's yeah. changed. And, like, two years ago when I started following fitness accounts and stuff like that, I was like, this is so positive. Like, this is great that it's about health now and blah, blah, blah. But as, like, years have gone on, I've become more aware and, you know, mind you, the trends grow and change and are different on every account. But I'm like, is – I mean, is it better or is it just different? And I, I even I have a hard time navigating like what is, you know, body positive and some such a good it's point. so like hard to navigate like am I supporting something that is good for majority? Am I supporting something that like is going to trigger someone out? Like it's so hard Absolutely. to navigate like what is right and oh, what is that's wrong. Such a good point. And the there's totally been this shift where, you know, we were thrown always, you know, skinny. You have to look this this way. Yeah. But now it's like you have to be thin and fit. So yeah. you have to be you have to be toned. Right. You have to have, you have you know, to work this definition. Out. Yeah. You have to yep. lead this certain lifestyle. So what's interesting is we did a study on hashtag Fitzbo, which okay. is Fitzpiration. Yep. So the idea behind the hashtag you would think would be positive, right? Like we want to inspire health and, and fitness, whatever. But what we found were, were that the majority of the photos actually were not of people exercising or being healthy in right. any way. They were posing in front of a mirror mm-hmm. and saying hashtag Fitzbo. So there is definitely a disconnect. And it's something that I get caught up uh, caught up in all of the time. And I have to step back. And it's natural to do this like social comparison, right? Mm-hmm. So I always tell students I talk to or or people that were giving presentations is to do a social media cleanse because mm. if you're finding that accounts are accounts apps whatever are impacting you in a certain way get it off of yeah. your feed because I I mean I enjoy fitness physical activity yep. eating nutrition whatever I love cooking so I I follow these things mm-hmm. and then when it's always in your face if I don't exercise and then I'm looking at that like, oh, my God, well, 
should, do I, I need to go work out? Like, because yeah. that's constantly in your faces. And you have to step back and be like, hey, this is not real. People yep. only show a snapshot yep. of their of their of, life, the best part of mm-hmm. their lives. Um, or the, you get the opposite where people are showing like those real, those struggles. Right, right. So again, it's like this, this balancing act of choosing things to follow that make you feel good, good. about yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting as someone who researches and does this stuff yeah. and is like still affects still you even though me. you know and have so much knowledge behind it. To ha- how do we like expect them to navigate if they're not educated? Yeah, there needs to be. And even if you're educated. I know it's still, it's, but it's having that self-awareness and, and just being okay with, with who you are. Um, and that's hard to do. Like it doesn't just happen. Yeah. Uh, and it's totally a process that I think goes on forever. But feeling like you're enough and just really being mindful of what you're consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, just being mindful of yeah. that they're trying to do that, right? Like it's a marketing tool. It's a business. Yeah. Now, do you think, do you do you see younger generations, and I'm only experiencing this now, and I feel like more and more of our generation is experiencing because of all the social media and because of all these experiences, like I'm slowly getting rid of social media accounts. I'm slowly being like, I don't want to do this anymore. I cleanse very often. I have multiple Instagram accounts and I follow certain things on depending on what page I'm on, but I got off Snapchat. I'm slowly getting off Facebook. Is that a trend that's like kind of bleeding into the youth or am I like hoping for something that's not going to ever exist? (laughs) Cause I'm like, you know what? A lot of my friends like are getting off Facebook. A lot of people are kind of like going more simplified, but then I'm like, Am I just like in my own little bubble that I feel? That's <laughs> like, tough. Like I don't have any specific no, yeah, statistics yeah. on that. Yeah. But um, what I what's really interesting with younger people is that so a lot of younger people aren't on Facebook. Right. Um, it's not cool. Right. Uh, but what they do do on Instagram is they have a Finsta account. So that's for friends only. Where in with my like understanding through research is like that's your Instagram where you can actually be yourself so think about this you have to create two accounts one where it's like you're presentable to you know you have a certain aesthetic and you want to have a theme to your account and you're really thinking about what pictures you're putting on there right and then you create this finsta where it's only your closest friends are allowed to follow you right and it's goofy pictures candid photos the pictures of who you actually are right but they feel like they have to create these two personas. So I find that really interesting. It's interesting also because coming from a creative background, part of me is like, obviously there's negatives, but you're you're almost kind of like creating like a character for yourself. Absolutely. And whether it's healthy or not, part of me is like, well, that's kind of interesting actually. Like you build this account that is a, ver- a character or a persona but I, I guess, I suppose, like, the thought behind it is not, like, that it is a persona. The thought of it is, like, oh, this is the best version of myself. This is the best that everyone else can see. And then here's, like, my fun stuff. Here's my real stuff. But my creative mind is always, like, ooh, that's yeah. kind of interesting. But it's not when there's no self-awareness behind yeah. it. That's the thing. Yeah. So, it, but it can also be really, really good in, like, this. so talking about this idea of self-presentation, we're doing some other stuff around – um, women athletes and now being able to have their own voice on Instagram and present photos that they want right. people to see because we know the 
media always hypersexualizes mm-hmm. um, female uh, or women athletes specifically compared to, to men uh, or isn't giving them the coverage or whatever. Right. So now these women can show themselves in powerful athletic poses compared to like these over-sexualized you know, whatever it may be. So there's like the good again. So we just come back to like, it's this balancing act Mm -hmm. that's always going to be teetering. Um, And I, I, I don't think I can pick a side and I'm not sure there is like a a right or wrong side. Well, it's interesting because reading through your notes, talking about like perfectionism and like where you've come from a lifestyle of, and I, even I, when I was younger, that was like my go-to. Oh, I'm a perfectionist. But now I like find that word to be so aggravating. I'm like, I hate when someone even mentions the word perfect. I'm like, that's not even, it sounds like so like an old person. It's not even my vocabulary (laughs) anymore. But like, it's so true. I get like aggravated when people say like, you know, I'm a perfectionist or like, it's got to be perfect. I'm like, oh my God, no, that doesn't exist. It's not even a word. It shouldn't even be a word. So and it relate relating back to like the Instagram and you're yeah. always putting like the best version of yourself and wanting to be perfect and talk to tell me about like your experience with like how yeah. it how it's changed and how you've kind of become that balancing act. Yeah, definitely. So I think perfect was is something that you becomes I don't know if you get an awareness of it early on where when you're good at things or people are telling you like, oh, you're, you're so great. You're so smart. Um, you start thinking like, okay, I need to keep this up. Like I always need to meet these people's expectations and you're doing things for other people. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. Um, and then you're, you get burnt out. And I remember when I applied for a job once at the YMCA also a life-changing experience working there, but that's another story. Um, In the interview, there was a question that asked, okay, you have this project, this project, and this project. How how do you split your time? And I'm like, well, I would do every project 100%. 100%, and it would always be 100%. Mm -hmm. That is 100% not realistic. Yeah. Um, And I'm slowly starting to be okay with something being 95%. 89 percent yeah whatever yeah. it may be yeah. it, it's not always going to be 100 and it's a hard thing when you you want things to be a certain way you want to achieve what you are putting out there um and you have these high expectations for yourself um but it becomes a really a, a battle with thinking if you're enough and that's kind of where i got to um being okay with where i'm at yeah. and and not feeling like I need to do things to look a certain way or to be perceived a certain way, but right. doing things that are meaningful to me and that are making me the person that I want to be. That kind of sounds – it sounds like funny when you say it out loud or when I'm saying it out loud, but that's entirely what it is. I I have to really step back from what I'm doing, not for others because I want to do things for others, right. but – it's there has to be this reflective piece where you're like, what is this doing for me, and mm-hmm. why am why, why am I doing it? What's the reason behind it? Right. Um, so that's kind of where I've come with um, stepping away from having to yeah. be perfect in, in everything and just doing my best. Gotcha. Is what's, mm-hmm. what's did you feel like part. that when you were younger? Like no, I thought I had to be perfect. When yeah. Oh my god. I, like in everything, you know, you, like on a test, on um, in in sports and activities, 
anything that I was doing, I I wanted to be like it needed to be perfect. And I don't think it's one person who told me like you need to be this yeah, perfect person. Right. That's not what happens. It's just you slowly start to to think like for people to accept you mm-hmm. or you've you've done something one way before and now it's always right. going to be the the expectation and i think this falls back into the idea of failing so when i was younger there i mean i didn't fail we right. a lot of kids yeah. now that you never yeah. fail at things right. you're always you know you're given your participation right. Right. and whatever um, but you don't you don't really fail. Mm. So I think once I started ex- actually experiencing failure, yeah, is when I became okay with with not being perfect. Yeah, and becoming resilient is a huge part of being in the academic world. Right, because I fail nine times out of ten. Yeah, um, and then we just need to celebrate every success, no yep. matter how small it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's been a huge piece of it is like understanding what failure is, learning how to fail, how you can grow from it, and being okay with it. Yeah. And I mean, I'm st- it's still a process. It's not yeah. something that, just you know, I'm not overnight. happy when I fail. Yeah. But um, yeah. it does definitely teach you how to grow, how to change things. Yeah. How um, to bounce back a little yeah. quicker. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And like I grew up, my dad was very adamant always and I never really listened to him probably until the last two years, but it was always like, yeah, go try things, go fail. It's fine. Like whatever. And I'm like, yeah, 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 dad, like the pressure's not on you. Like I'm the one that's trying to do things and blah, blah, blah. So I want to do them. I want to be perfect. I got, I have Superman syndrome. And just in the last two years, it's been this realization of like, no, like he's right. Like who cares if I fail? Like, and I, I was always doing things like starting the photography business and I wanted to put the best photos out because I wanted to impress and know that people knew that I was a good photographer. It was always just for other people. So I totally relate to what you're saying is like making, it makes you feel like you have to, you hide, you hold yourself to a standard that's also idolized by the people that are around you. Exactly. But I have found the more that I've accepted failure and now I try a thousand and one things and I'm always like, I just want to try it. I don't even care if I feel like who cares? It doesn't matter. Like life will go on. A, I'm enjoying life so much more. B, no one actually really cares. If anything, they're more supportive and being like, good for you. At least you like people are, it's, it's all like, it's, it's been all in, in my head. head. That's, it's totally that. And the the biggest failure I think comes in my life came from I thought I was good at at, at everything, right? I think I'm good. Um, and I was actually in a really unhealthy relationship, but mm-hmm. I didn't see it because I'm like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm good at this. Yep. I should be good at, at this. <laughs> and that absolutely was not the case, but I didn't see it like that. Mm-hmm. So I think when that you know, ended, I was able to reassess where I wanted to go moving forward and yeah. what I was okay with yeah. um, and who I wanted to be. And that, like, although it was really a really low point for mm-hmm. me, um, it definitely, mm, like, helped create my path moving forward. Yeah. Um, and it felt like a huge, like, a failure, a waste of, of time. Of but time. 
my mom has always said that nothing is a waste of time because mm-hmm. you always learn. Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, where that perspective came from. Did you see that right away? Did you feel like... Okay, so this is like getting into yeah, more darker. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's dark, important. The that's dark the, Sarah. The dark yeah. side. That's what make. <laughs> that's what helps shape the rest of your life. And I think it's important yeah. people know that. Because I came here prepared, like, like okay, this is not something I ever talk about. But right. I think it's important, and mm-hmm. I'm at a point now where it's okay to talk about it and and be vulnerable and like if that if that judgment happens, so be it. Mm-hmm. And I'm in a spot where that that's not going to impact who who I am yeah so being in this relationship as somebody who was in it and very young um yeah how old were you so 16 when this like when everything started and I had a really really hard grade 12 year where I think like now reflecting back I can totally see everybody Mm -hmm. was just fed up with how I was letting this person treat me Mm -hmm. and they just didn't want to be in my life anymore and I had a really hard time with that um I wanted to switch schools became very depressed and would not be your type of person who would be like oh that person's suffering from a mental illness like this whole stigma thing 100% and it's not something I have ever talked about or talk about openly right but it was a long I think I knew I always kind of knew that it wasn't it wasn't healthy. It mm-hmm. wasn't good. It was really impacting my self-esteem. Yeah. Um, I was really sad. I thought all the time about, you know, I didn't I didn't want to be around anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to go home for lunch every day. Really sad. And then it was a process to get out of that. Yeah. Because again, it goes back to this this perfect, like, no, I'm okay. I can I can figure this out. Right. I'm a problem solver. Mm-hmm. And that didn't happen. So slowly I gave myself really bad anxiety. I had yeah. to wear a heart rate monitor. Um, because I was so stressed out about how was I gonna get out of this situation. Yeah. I didn't feel like I had support because I had lost those right. friends. Yeah. So it was definitely a long process to get out of. But then when I did get out of it, and I don't think it was until this year because I was questioned on why I chose to do this stuff with leadership advancement for women. Mm-hmm. Why did I choose the research that I did? Right. Why did why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Yeah. And I had to sit and reflect and I think being in that relationship and getting out of it was a really pivotal moment where I thought, okay, I don't want anybody to ever experience how I felt mm-hmm. again. So what can I do to change that? Or mm-hmm. how can I impact people? And I, I didn't really think about that. I was just doing things. Yeah. I was just mm-hmm. doing it. And then looking back and self-reflection, so important. So being able to say like, that's, that's what it yeah. is. Like that's, yeah. that's why I'm like creating like this equality, putting women in leadership positions. Yeah. Because you making, were stripped of that for exactly, so long. Yeah. and making feel people feel good, good. about their body, mm-hmm. about them, you know, themselves, what they're what they're doing, who they are. Um, that's just a really important message to me, and I I I didn't think that this would be my path. Right. Um, I thought I was going to go to med school. I wrote yeah. my MCAT. It was always my goal, and it didn't work out. So I needed to to switch gears and. It, it happened for a reason, yep. and it just made me a better person, a stronger person, and mm-hmm. really lit a fire mm-hmm. for 
what I'm passionate about yeah. today. Uh, so when I did this brand change to like lemon sole from part of the process, it like you literally took the words out of my mouth. You hit such a place in your life that's so dark, you just don't want anyone else to ever feel that way. Whether it's a relationship or a job or your family or um, your health or everyone is going to have like the sour part of life. But it's like finding, once you're on the other side, using that darkness to like fuel everything else. And that helps you become someone you wouldn't have never been had you not gone through that experience. So true. And that's the best analogy. Yeah. And I love the brand. <laughs> like brand change. It's so it's <laughs> so smart because it it really makes sense because you go from the sour to get to mm-hmm. the sweet. To get to the sweet. It's so like cliche, right? Because it's <laughs> like, what do you do when life gives you lemons? You make lemonade. But it's when I really started thinking about it, it was it's so true. Like a lemon on its own is very sour and I would not eat that on its own. But you soak it in some water and you put some ice cubes in it and you maybe add a little extra sugar, whatever. You have something really sweet and you can drink the whole jug and it's perfectly fine. (laughs) But you would have never had that had you not had the lemon. It is. It's the more you share and more conversations that we have about these things, as hard as they are to have. And I'm sitting here like when I was listening to you, I'm like tearing up being like, (laughs) (laughs) I totally, I just, I get it. I, I know in my completely different own experience I know what that feels like. And a lot of people know what that feels like. Absolutely. And I think talking about it and also experiencing it in your own way just Mm -hmm. makes you more empathetic to other people's stories and being open to you have no idea what that person has gone through or been through. Yeah. So like taking that judgment away and actually listening to what that person needs or what that's where I come from, a place yeah. of just like, okay, wh- what can I do mm-hmm. for you in this moment without judgment? Yep. When I showed my films in class, the first, before I would show my film, actually, I think, did I, I don't know if I did it in the class that I taught for you. I should say, not every class, apparently. <laughs> I might have done this. No, I'm not sure if I did. I add, Before I show my films, which are about mental health awareness for no one's that's seen any of my work, but... I always ask two um, students to come down to the front of the class and switch their shoes and switch their backpacks. I tell them to walk around the room and, you know, how uncomfortable are you? Well, yeah, this, you know, these don't fit and this isn't my backpack. Well, I'm like, yeah, you never know what someone else is carrying around. So That's put yourself great. in someone else's shoes. So smart. And like, for me, that it's funny because I feel like for me as an empath, that comes so naturally to me. But I've had to really be okay with the fact that not everyone is like that and also it's a good thing because not every and that's hard for me even to admit because I'm constantly surrounded by people that aren't very emotional and you you have to have both you have to have the balance because if everyone was an empath it would be a complete shit show. <laughs> so true. It you would need be the balance. terrible. You have to have the people that are like, no, we got to do this today. Don't care if you're crying. Like, you got to get your shit done. Yeah. And it's that's a hard, it's a hard balance. But I think head. that's why, like, who you choose to be in your life can help you with that balance as mm-hmm. well. Um, or even, like, find those people who love you but help you love yourself. That's Those are the best people, like, that – I've surrounded myself with yeah like they push you they challenge you but it's they help you love who you are mm-hmm. that's so important yeah in in relationships and 
that's where that's where I come from. from yeah. Place, but yeah. How do you feel about the self love, self care trend? And I'm using air quotes trend yeah. or, you know, because it for me as someone who doesn't do the research, you know, that is related to your self esteem. Mm-hmm. Do you see it as more of a trend? Do you see it being beneficial? Do you feel like it puts pressure. I'm always so curious about like the other side because I'm like self-love. So like I do that stuff. I promote that endlessly. Yeah. But I'm also like I'm now I'm just constantly questioning myself of is it good, bad or otherwise. In my Wear opinion, that. I think it's it's a good thing. I think that there you put out the energy that you want to attract. Mm. Um so if that's positive, then you're going to attract those those positive people. I think the self-love links really well with having these talks about mental health um, and wellness in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at the university just released their uh, mental health strategy that they're coming out with. And they had absolutely the best keynote speaker I have ever heard in my life. Um, her name was Candy. Palmer. She's an indigenous woman from out east who was a lawyer, then became a comedian, then an actress, writing a book. (laughs) She was so amazing because her self-love was her message Mm. and just feeling like you are enough no matter where you're at, um, that you you are enough. And that message just really hit home. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we, you know, we can be in, I think there's a difference between like feeling bad because you're being influenced by what you're seeing other people do um, and then going back to these doing things for you or you're genuinely wanting to help people and you're putting these messages out. Right, right. Um, I self-love or self-care keeps me afloat. Mm -hmm. I need to, if you look at my agenda, I color code everything that I do. Of course you do. So (laughs) obviously. Of course you do. (laughs) So when I... I schedule in doing exercise because yep. that's important to me, mm-hmm. um, and that's in pink. And yep. I have that. And if somebody looked at my agenda, is like, you schedule in your your workouts. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, because yep. it keeps me accountable, mm-hmm. and I look forward to that. Yeah, it's that's me it's, time. Yeah. It's yeah. And if I don't do it, I f- my brain hurts. Yeah. I'm hurting, or I will stay and do work until eleven o'clock at the university. Right. So yep. I need that. Like I know at five thirty, I'm going to do this, and yep. then I'm I'm good to go. It's scheduled in. So I think it's a I think it's a good thing. Is it a trend? If it is, I hope it's one that lasts. Yeah, that's good. I yeah. relate to like the scheduling in. I people will be like, oh, like are you free this week? And I because I schedule in downtime for myself. I'm like actually I only have. Thursday night open and then you don't people don't know that I schedule in time to be with friends and be with family and I schedule in time to now go to yoga or um, go work out but then on the flip side of that when I post something about like going to yoga or being with friends people are like oh you weren't actually busy you know what I mean like oh you weren't actually working and I just want to be like not that anyone's said it to me in a, like a really negative way but it's been said where I'm like yeah but that's important yeah I'm not going to work myself into the ground every day and that's not good for my health as what I'm always thinking of is like when I'm posting and I'm like oh I told this person I couldn't see them today 
and now I'm going to hot yoga. How does that look? And how, did I hurt that? Now that's just the empath of me. Did I hurt that yes. person's feelings because yeah. I went to go to a yoga class instead of like seeing someone and my mind is constantly being like, who did I offend? How did I hurt someone's feelings? And it's, it's a challenge of being okay with putting yourself first. Because I think it's okay to still be that way. Like you, you do care about other people. Mm. I mean, absolutely. It's, could get exhausting to always be thinking about you know how am I impacting everybody um and I've been there it is exhausting yeah but when you hit like this sweet spot of finding that time for yourself or finding something that makes you feel good I think busy is such is like a word that has to do so much with perspective it's such a relative term Mm, that's interesting because busy for you and busy for me and busy for whoever else can be totally different. Interesting. You know, I say I'm busy when I know, okay, like I have four or five papers I have to write tonight. I need to check this other thing. I need right. to do this. Um, but busy could also mean I'm busy spending time by myself watching Netflix. Right. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. And being okay, at least for me, and I've had this this discussion with some fellow PhD students, being okay with with having that time and mm-hmm. not feeling bad that you should be doing something else. Yes. Because if when I have children, I would never want them to feel bad about spending time with their friends, hanging out and watching a movie, going for a walk. I've been getting better, but there was a time point where I was feeling like, oh my God, I need to review this. I need to do this. I need to study this. Mm-hmm. I can't be hanging out with, with these people. Yeah. I need, I have things to do. Yeah. So I'm getting better yeah. at that. I'm I'm trying, but it's I think that's hard too. So I think busy is is relative it's depending on the person. I like that a lot cuz I'm constantly being like I'm so busy. <laughs> but then I'm at home watching a TV show, I'm not doing it. That's busy too though. But yeah, and just in a different way, in a way that's not mm, advertised, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about volunteering because you do a lot of that. Okay, yeah. You do, and you always have. What, um, why is that? Why is volunteering important to you? Speaking of things that make you feel good, that's yeah. something that just makes me feel good, mm-hmm. feel like I'm contributing to a community that needs it. So when I started working at the YMCA, I had this um, – life-changing moment where there were kids who didn't have clothes didn't have shoes were new to Canada it was really hard and on my first day it was lunchtime and this family of five had a single piece of white bread in a Ziploc bag and they were splitting this piece of bread then sealed the bag back up and I, my, at this point, I'm crying. I called I called my mom and dad after this. And I was like, oh, like, are you still hungry? Like, I mean, there's I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And they were saving the rest of the bread to bring home to their other uh, siblings. This is one slice of Wonder Bread. Like, what? What is going on? I didn't realize coming from like river canard going to villanova yeah, yeah. where you're like surrounded by white people right. who are you know well a lot, yeah a lot of italians yeah. like you know you're <laughs> you a lot never, of pasta yeah a lot of pasta <laughs> you know you never see you never really see what else is going on mm-hmm. and i didn't realize that that was happening in our community 
at all. So aside from that, on the first day, you know, this thing at lunch happens. I call my mom. I'm upset. She's like, okay, first day, like, it's okay. Just keep going. Yeah. We went swimming and the, you know, you have to monitor the change room. They're like small kids, whatever. So there's this little girl. She's standing there just naked and everybody else is, you know, kind of leaving the change room. I'm like, oh, honey, like, do you need help with your bathing suit? Like, what, what do we need to do kind of thing? And she's like, I don't have a bathing suit. Everybody else was just changing, and I, I wanted to be a part of it. Oh, my, oh my God. Oh, my, my God. Heart. So the next day at camp, we, my, my dad and mom bought pizza for the entire camp, and I went out and got this little girl a bathing suit. Oh, of course so I'm did. like, okay, Aww. we yeah. need to. So that's kind of where – I mean, I had done some volunteering in high school, but working with the Y really opened my eyes up to more, like, vulnerable or marginalized populations. Right. And then um, I did stuff with the heart and stroke. Really, health and wellness is really important to me, so Mm -hmm. I did stuff with heart and stroke. I did stuff with Kids Sport, um, which is an organization that gives grants for families who are in need to um, get them involved in sport or physical activity. Um, Windsor Endowment for the Arts was Mm -hmm. another organization that I was a part of. Um, And then really laws has been um, something that has been a really big part of of my life and growing that and impacting young young girls to feel good. Yeah. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone who wants to volunteer and like wants to go and do these things but doesn't really know maybe where to go or who to contact or what area they would be good in giving their services to that's a good question i think you you don't want volunteering to feel like a chore you want it to be something that i mean we just did a fashion show and i complained a lot because i probably spent 40 a 40 hour work week on this right. volunteer fashion show <laughs> and I was complaining about you know I had this is my time this is a volunteer position right. but then at the end of the day when one of the girls came up and hugged me and said this was the best day of her life and I started to cry and I'm like hey, this is why yep. I do this like so you need to find an activity um a, a purpose something that fuels you mm-hmm. uh and makes you feel like it's it's not you're not volunteering your time you're you're just doing something good yeah and you feel good about it um and it shouldn't feel like a chore yeah when it starts feeling like a chore then it's time to kind of let it go and i've i've gotten to to that point with things where like thanks this has been great but i i'm not enjoying my time here Mm -hmm. anymore or i don't feel like i have the time to contribute to you that's okay and i'm learning that that's okay (laughs) to let that go and and move on to something else. Yeah. In terms of finding places to volunteer, there's a lot of great groups on um, online that will be looking for volunteers or post volunteer opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if you if you see an organization or you go to some an event that some organization has put on, ask the ask somebody yeah. how they can get involved. Get involved. Um, because that's that's a great place to start and organizations are always looking for mm-hmm. for people for volunteers yeah, extra help always. Yeah, always i think it's important that like you mentioned do something that feels good for you because i feel like it's kind of um volunteering is you know it's for someone else it's for some another organization it's for other people and i think it's kind of i don't even know if stigmatized is the appropriate word for this but like it's 
if you're enjoying it, it's like kind of like, well, you're doing it for yourself or you're doing it so you can post it on your social media account and so people think you're a good person. And part of me is like, well, yeah, I do volunteer because it does make me feel good. And whether I should I feel in I'm constantly like in a battle of my mind being like, but I also want to promote these things so other people go out and lend their time. Yeah. So whether you're doing working at a rescue or working with kids or working whatever like fuels your passion I think it is important that you enjoy and you're not just doing it because like it's outward outwardly 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 and I think it's okay that you that you're sharing those messages because that's authentic to who you you are and I think it's important to be authentic but to be consistent Mm -hmm. if if you are working with an organization and you're an ambassador for that organization, yeah. why are you not going to promote right. their message yeah. on whatever platforms you use or yeah. to whomever you're speaking? Like I said earlier, I'm involved a lot with BANA and learning the way that they talk about body, food, just people, appearance, everything mm-hmm. has really changed the way that I talk to others or that I think or feel or will correct right if that's the right term yeah um but challenge people's thinking i guess or bring awareness to how they're talking about certain things and how do you go about that how do you go about that because we talked before we were on online offline we were talking about you being hypersensitive yeah because you have so much knowledge now how do you navigate when it's appropriate to fix or do you always try and fix someone's perspective or is it that's like a, a that's such a battle. <laughs> it is a battle because you I've I'm getting now more to a point where you know what I do have this knowledge and it's okay to share it with people. And yeah. I have to be okay with that because I think a lot of times we worry about being nice. Right. And it's okay like yeah, right? Like we, we yep. have to be nice people and we mm-hmm. don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, mm-hmm. but at the same time uh, if if the knowledge is there, I think it's important to say something. Um, a good example is, you know, I'm GAing this class right now at the university. It's obesity and eating disorders. And we start off every class with a scenario. And a lot of the scenarios have come from students who are, like, sending scenarios in or scenarios from my life. And they deal with weight, appearance, dieting, food, whatever. And it's interesting to get the class perspective but what happens sometimes is, for example, one of these scenarios is you have a lot of friends who are, are dieting, talking about dieting, talking about food. Mm-hmm. How do you go about bringing in like this, I guess what I believe in and oh, like this is Banna's message. So mm-hmm. it's what I preach is like intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. So not labeling food as good or bad or junk food or this is healthy and this is not, but thinking about how food fuels your body what does food do for your body why are you eating food how does it make you how does it make you feel Mm -hmm. and that intuition of what you need or what you really need is important um so I'll oftentimes like bring that up when people are talking about oh I'm trying the whole 30 or right Weight Watchers just rebranded and yep. and really always commenting on health. So mm-hmm. even if if you know somebody is trying to lose weight or gain weight, right? Um, and they're they're doing different things to do that. Be that person that's commenting on their health mm-hmm. or how they feel, mm-hmm. asking them, you know, 
are are you are you feeling healthy today? Um, you look really happy. Yeah. Focus on the health. Don't ask them the number on the scale. Right. Because that's that becomes an obsession, and that's where eating disorders and disordered eating come from. Yeah. So be that person that is the the health focused friend. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of how I've gone about. I think I went off on a tangent a little bit. That's right. Tangents preaching are good. the banner message. Yes. Um. <laughs> but. Be that be that person who yeah. whether it's you you know yeah. you recycle it's recycling in the environment. Right. Be that person who's saying you know whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay to do that. Yeah. I think. And I because I always battle with being like the nice person or should I say something? Should I not say something? I feel like I'm in a therapy session with you right now. I'm like <laughs> these are the things I do. Are they okay? <laughs> 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 but I realize now, like, when I do take a moment, you say, make a comment or say something, most times people are like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Tell yeah. me more. Yeah. And it's, you know, you're still obviously going to get the people that are like, ha, 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 middle finger, whatever. But, Absolutely. yeah, you know, it's better to say something than not say something, although I'm not always perfect at probably doing that. But yeah. spread the message. What is a topic that isn't very popular popular that you think – should have more attention. Is there things that don't don't get discussed? Because I know you obviously you do the social media and disordered eating. Yeah. Is there some? Is there like an outlier that you think is neglected? That's a that's a good question. I think an interesting area. Yeah. If um, if this answers your question, is something that. We, we actually did a study on, and the paper should be coming out soon if you want to read a research <laughs> article. Yeah, we do. Um, so well, we recently did a study on something called orthorexia. So we've talked a lot about fitness. We've talked about health. We've talked about food. Um, and orthorexia is, uh, I don't want to use the word trendy or up and coming, but it's a newer eating disorder that literature is suggesting kind of has its roots because of social media. So it's this idea of always having to consume biologically pure food. Like you need to have food without chemicals, food without hormones, non-GMO, all of these things that when I was doing this research, I'm like, oh my God, is this me? (laughs) Is this me? (laughs) Is this me? Oh my God. And we had the student that was doing the research with us wrote a blog post afterwards and said, you know, I think I have this orthorexia and like, whatever, we don't need to put labels on right, on right. it. Like this is a a persistent and severe obsession with having okay. to do this. Okay. So do I actually think that right. I, I could be diagnosed with this? No. And they're still tr- figuring out how to diagnose right. this. But when we did that study – what was really interesting is we, you know, thought we would find similar to other eating disorders. And when I talked about the self-harm, mm-hmm. these groups that support these unhealthy behaviors. Right. Because with anorexia and bulimia, we see people posting how to lose 10 pounds in a week. Here's my, you know, here's my meal. It had zero calories or whatever right. it is. Like the, it's very focused on the negative behaviors and it's support it's a supportive environment in that way but what we found with the orthorexia group was it was actually promoting recovery so even though people were posting pictures about their food and you know their exercise or whatever it may Mm -hmm. be um 
the conversation was around supporting the eating disorder recovery. So I found that really interesting. So I'm not sure we need to do, obviously need to do more work in that, but I think it's something that isn't really explored because we are viewing things as healthy. Right. um, And we think this is just health, but do these things become obsessions? Right. And are you saying they are discussing them in the way of recovery from a eating, a different eating disorder? So both. That's a good question. Okay. So when we looked at, so the research that we look at is kind of surface level text analysis and conversation analysis. Mm-hmm. We group things into themes. So we get a general idea of the conversation. So it would be interesting to look further. Um, but other studies have found that it's people who are recovering from anorexia that will move into this orthorexia state because they're wanting to consume food however right. it needs to be a certain way so then they have the control over over, over that aspect portion. i got you so interesting is it that they're using the orthorexia platform to promote recovery of these other eating disorders and they're mm. not recognizing orthorexia as an eating disorder could be we, right. we need to do more research into that um or is it that they're recognizing it as an eating disorder and they're wanting to promote recovery through that right and is it considered because I think when you think of an eating disorder, you think it as being something that's unhealthy. Exactly. Now is I'm gonna not gonna even try and pronounce it, is the this new orthorexia. That one. Yeah. But if they're promoting a Health. healthy a healthy lifestyle, how do you define that's really interesting. Yeah. So they're trying to come out with the DSM. I'm going to mess it up. It's either five or six or whatever the new one. They're, it needs to be more distinguished. Like they haven't come up with a diagnostic tool. Okay. Um, What's a DSM? It's the – I don't know what it stands for. But it's for like psychological or mental health disorders. Okay. Like if you went to a, a psychologist and you got diagnosed with um, OCD – Mm-hmm. that disorder and what criteria you would need to be classified as would be in this in the DSM, DSM okay. manual. Um, so they haven't come up with this exact classification okay, system for yet this. for orthorexia. So I think maybe that kind of answers your question. Yeah, it does. Well, it's that, just about having a conversation. It's not necessarily yeah. that, like, this is what I think needs to be talked about. It's just, like, yeah. interesting to hear yeah. those things, especially, like, that's like something people live with every day. You're constantly yeah. surrounded by the social media, the food, yeah. the talk about diets. Is that's like a constant thing for as long as I can remember. And yeah. it is interesting to just to see um, how it's changing and how it's changing with social media. It is very interesting. The food marketing stuff is really interesting too. So that's something else that we're working on um, is like ads that people will put on – on their social media around a certain like food product. Okay. So that's something that will come out in the future. But even the way food is marketed, um, you know, I went to the store last night and I wanted to get some popcorn. Mm-hmm. But then I saw these, I hate the name, they're because they're called skinny sticks. But I'm like, oh, these look really good. And I looked at the ingredients and I'm right. like, okay, this sounds great. Um but I hate that name, and I want to tweet at them and say, your name is stupid. Yeah. Like, why, you know, why, why are you, you calling it that? It this, yeah. Um, so food marketing can they're really throw to us, the too. Masses, really, yeah. they're, it's, it, they're not promoting to you. I know. It's so, ah. <laughs> oh. 
It drives me nuts. Yeah. Because I have called out other places, such as David's Bridal. Um, <laughs> because we had an issue with them um, body shaming when we did some really? fittings. Yes. So I felt that it was important to reach out to them and suggest that they have a body positivity or at least some awareness yeah. of other people people's shapes and sizes don't compare them to your own and compare all the girls who are clearly different shapes and sizes so they mm. need some sensitivity training so i call out good yeah i think that's okay it is. no that's but that's how change gets made absolutely and whether they do it or they don't do it or they do it and then another store does it i feel like that's why i love yeah. starbucks so much yeah I'm just like shout out to starbucks because they're pretty good at what they do i know <laughs> shutting down their all of their stores for a day to like train their staff Oh, I just wish more places were like that. I know. They're, more involved yeah. in. And their, yeah, their brand messaging. Because I think that goes back to the the authentic part, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're, and this is with people too. If you're somebody who, whether it be on your social media, um, is always promoting positivity, but you're not actually living that way. Yep. And you're commenting on people's bodies. Because I have friends like this. They'll give you the hundred messages about body positivity. Yep. Then they see me in person or somebody else and they're commenting on my arms or that person's waist and they're making these comments and they're like Like, do you really believe in in the message that you're preaching so I think that's important whether it be in brands or it's your self brand um and being okay with that too because I I made that shift of being a little more vulnerable online and like because yeah I'm like oh it's way easier to be like hey look at this smoothie I'm making than to be like, hey, I went to McDonald's at midnight last night and I ate four burgers. Like, no one is going to really promote that. And I try to – even when I post pictures of me, like, making a smoothie, I'm like, made a really healthy smoothie this morning because I ate a bag of cookies last night. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. All about balance. <laughs> yeah. It's about balance. But it's, it's, it becomes easier the more that you do it. And Absolutely. another thing for me was the makeup, was always posting – I did it recently when I went to hot yoga. I posted a filtered version, and then I was I was thinking about it. I was like, I like the way this looks. Is it wrong that I want to post this filtered version? Should I post the version that's not filtered? So I posted them both, and then I, on a separate account, only posted the one that wasn't filtered. It was yeah. like, and I, and I am in my head being like, why? Why couldn't I just? It's so weird that to be aware of it, but then question like. Why does it have to be so wrong that I want to put a filter on my face every now and again? But I don't want to promote that, like, I look this way when I come out of a yoga studio. You know what I mean? I think – no, I get, I get what again. you're saying. <laughs> but, okay, according to my research. Yes. Um, Give me the science. Yeah, so we did a another study – and again, these are you can read these. Just Google Scholar after you <laughs> Google can just Scholar read. with Sarah's um, name yeah, and a thousand some, things will come for up. Some weekend reading, just like the eight-page um, <laughs> intake form she sent me. <laughs> Classic. Um, <sighs> so we did a study on hashtag no filter. So people who are putting hashtag no filter. Yep. We have a software that can tell us if you have actually used a filter. And let me tell you, twelve percent of those people are using filters, and we can only see Instagram filters, right. so they could use something else right. that we don't know. And that's an I important thought that, I message. I thought the number was going to be higher, actually. I'm a little surprised. That, I mean, 12% is a lot, yes. but I thought it was going to be more like 50. <laughs> and it could, if we maybe if we had 
a if, different year. It, yeah, or we could look at a lot of people use like the Facetune apps. What is which, Facetune? Oh, Facetune is <laughs> um, you go in. It has like millions of downloads. Very simple app that will you make your teeth whiter you can clear your skin just yeah um fun fact not so fun but a fact is that there are now the growth of um like teenage girls who are getting cosmetic surgery has the influx is obscene and it's because they want to look better in selfies yeah. Oh, so there's my. there's actually like that's a reason to get cosmetic surgery for young like we're talking 13 to 19 year olds. This breaks my heart thinking about my niece. Uh, it's that's all I can think about is like scary. How can I help shape her life so that that is never a thought that crosses her poor mind? Oh, like and she's she's not even two yet, and I'm like freaking out about her when she's a yeah. She doesn't even have to be a teenager. <laughs> she's can apparently be five and throw out her yeah. bread. <laughs> That's why I can never be a parent. Now you're aware. Like a super psycho mom. (laughs) Oh my gosh! But no, that it just goes back to like, if you are filtering your photos because it makes you feel, you have to question why you're doing it. Yeah. Is it aesthetically sure you're creative and you're throwing a filter on because you it it creates like it makes this color pop or whatever? Right. Cool. If you're doing it for that, yeah. This is like my views. Cool. Yeah. If you're gonna market market it this market this as an unfiltered photo. But it's filtered. Yeah. You're lying. Yeah. 100%. And like, that's not okay. Yeah. At least that's what – and you're creating this persona. And why do you have to lie about putting the filter on? It, it just – it's weird. And then also if it's uh, – hashtag no filter, you're standing in front of a window with beautiful light. And yeah, yeah your hair is a mess, but you quaffed it a little. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I have done that too. And I'm like, you know, I just post a really ugly photo. It's fine. Like you're not going to – it's not – the world's not going to end. But it's – it's so wrapped in your mind that it's like not okay and people are going to judge you and think you're ugly or weird. Like it yeah. is such like a weird mind fuck. A hundred percent. It's so weird. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to quote you. <laughs> okay. Okay. You said, what I thought would be my story and my path has changed, has forked, has hit roadblocks. But I think it's about how you move forward that defines the story. What is something that has helped in your life that you think people could take into their own lives, whether it's big, small, or otherwise, that will help them move forward? It's a really good question and pretty deep. (laughs) We get real deep at the end. Um, Okay. I think there's a couple things. Something small and I guess like tangible would be reflecting Um, it's not something that I ever saw value in. So for you, if reflecting is journaling or driving in your car and listening to music and thinking about your day and and whatever else, um, just taking time to reflect and not reflect for anybody else, but for yourself. Um, that's one tool that has really helped me. Um, so I think, too, surrounding yourself with people who make you better. And where do you find those people? Because sometimes it's not your high school friends. It's not um, maybe your family can't be there for you during some of these things. Find a place that has values that um, are important to you. So for me, working at the Y Mm -hmm. is where I 
like surrounded by people who were very similar to me. Mm. I'm like, this is my support system. Okay, I am good to get out of the bad situation I'm in because yep. now I have these people who get me. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether that be through volunteering or other extracurriculars or if it's at your gym or if it's, you know, some random person that you meet doing whatever mm-hmm. and you feel that connection, keep keep those bonds, keep that relationship um, because that will help you move forward. And then I think too, um, I am a planning person. So what helps me to move forward or to be resilient or get over failure is I'm a, I'm a list. I write my lists. Mm-hmm. I feel accomplished when I cross things off those lists. Mm-hmm. That's not a tool that works for everybody, mm-hmm. um, but that works for me. So those are kinds of things like what – I don't know if they're even goals, but it's what do I need to do to get like to the next day? Yeah, next day. Yeah. Kind one day at a time. Yeah. yeah one day at a time. Cross those things slowly off. Yeah. I'm also a list person, so I totally you get, get that. But not, and that's another thing is like I try and, whenever I give advice to someone, it's like, you know what, this worked for me. It might completely not work for you. Absolutely. That's okay. Find what works for you. Yeah. When I like over my fit fitness journey in air quotes. I was like, oh, I'm, you got to run. You're supposed to run. You're supposed to do a lot of cardio. You know what? I hate cardio. So, so I'm going to start lifting weights. And I loved lifting weights for that period of time. And then I did cardio in between because, yes, it's good for you. But if you don't like to lift weights and you like to go hiking, go hiking. You don't like to hike, but you like to dance, go dance. And it's just like Absolutely. I've always been caught up in trying to be like, oh, I have to do certain things in order to lurk a certain way. But if I hate it, I'm not going to do it. And it has to be sustainable. That's such a good piece of advice, especially when it comes to like physical activity or something that can be seen as a chore. Mm. Um, or I read somebody's post that it, you know, they used to see exercise as punishment. Yeah. Um, find an activity that is fun and you enjoy doing. I love soccer. I am like the most committed. I can be a different person when I play soccer. It's like <laughs> soccer Sarah comes out and it's my stress relief. I love it. I will play on three teams. Yeah. And I don't care. I love it. Do I – I try to play baseball. I'm not good at baseball and I don't like it. You don't – like I like the running. I like sweating. I like yeah. contact. Yeah. You don't get that in baseball. No. Or golf would probably not be for me either. No. But you have to find those activities, yeah. especially when it comes to fitness, that – are fun or find a friend who will do it with you, mm-hmm. but also be okay on your own too mm-hmm. and not feel like you can't do something because yeah. you haven't done it before. Yep. It's okay to go to that class alone or sign up for that thing and yep. none of your friends want to do it, but you do. Yeah. Go and do it. Go for it. And it's really scary at first, but by the time you do it once, you're like, yeah, I'm fine. And yep. then you go back and maybe it's scary for other people for a week or two weeks or whatever. Eventually it will feel familiar and normal just like anything else yeah so good so everyone just needs to go find something they love to do and do it passionately (laughs) that's the end of our message (laughs) (laughs) go find your thing yeah and just do your best your best your best not the best just your best we did it that's great we killed it and that's a wrap with sarah santa rosa guys i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did It's time for me to go do some reflection and uh, be a little more active in being mindful and self-aware. I hope you guys um, enjoyed it, as I've said already. (laughs) 
leave me a message on Instagram. Let me know what you want to hear, who you want to talk to, who you want me to talk to, I suppose, is the more appropriate wording of that. I think I'm too tired. It's time for bed, guys. I'll see you later. Bye.